Good evening. Hope everybody's doing well today on this wonderful and fabulous Wednesday evening. And uh, trust everybody's had a good day and a blessed day and a wonderful day. Hopefully everybody can hear me well. I'm doing a uh, things a little different this evening. I uh, I know that uh, with the uh, <clears throat> previous uh, live stream, uh, everyone talked about a uh, clicking noise that they heard. So I'm wondering if it had something to do with the... Uh, uh, microphone, uh, the external microphone I was using. So I'm using the one uh, that I would normally use for my podcast. So let me know if it's uh, coming through good and clear. And uh, if so, uh, if, uh, let me know and or if it's still making a clicking noise. Uh, ordered a new camera and has a better microphone on it. And so hopefully it will uh, won't have to do all this extra setup but um, uh, my wife said it sounds great so praise God for that and uh, so I know everybody said that clicking noise was uh, well, he tried to overlook it and appreciate your patience and kindness uh, that you uh, uh, did that uh, overlooked that and bared with me till we get something straightened out here so uh, all right so again uh, Miss Fran Pear said loud and clear so thank you Mrs. Pear appreciate that and if you have any prayer requests or concerns of course be sure uh, to uh, uh, put those in the comments so that uh, we can address those and if i don't get to it in time then uh, of course we can all come together and pray over that uh, together so uh, appreciate everybody watching this evening our opening scripture this evening is first corinthians 15 verse 58 and of course, uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version for the sake of our study. And uh, again, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And as me, Pappy always says, bless this, hearing, this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. All right. So let's... Um, Prayer request that we do have uh, this evening, of course, this is uh, from uh, Sunday morning, uh, but still applicable, uh, is uh, uh, Mr. Murph, Roger Winters, uh, Kim Penix, Jane Kitchings, Wendy Lee, PK, Larky and Nancy, Jackie and Rhonda, Troy and Ginger, Johnny and Nora, Morris and Carolyn, Larry and Dinah, BT and Sherry, uh, Linda and Ralph, Ron Thompson, Kathy Young, uh, the Kirk Young family, David Stennett, Joe Franklin, Pat Brown, Tracy Kent, Donnie, Donnie Cutshaw, Glenn Johnson, Martin Ledford, Jimmy Russell family, Betty Whaley, uh, Mike Bradley, Michael Masters, Ben Street family, Judy Hill, Willie Smith, and Jesse Gray. Uh, Paul Pierce, that's uh, Jennifer Harmon's dad, uh, we continue to keep him in prayer as well, and Mo Baines and uh, Jerry George. So be sure to keep them in prayer. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Don't see anything in the comments. Oh, okay. Miss Fran Pierce says um, prayers for uh, family of a friend that passed away yesterday with COVID and my family. Yes, Mrs. Pear, we will definitely um uh, be praying uh, for that family and uh, in your family as well. And uh, Paul, I really hate to hear that. It's been so, there's so many people here lately uh, uh, passing from cause this COVID mess. In fact, what is it? The this, was it a senator elect or uh, congressman elect uh, passed away within ten days of getting it and didn't have any underlying health issues. It's just and then they send this new strain 
that's easier to catch uh, that was in England. They, they've now discovered in, I think, Colorado that uh, Fox had on there. So it's, it's a scary situation. It really is. But uh, uh, Mr. Trailer says, good evening, Matt. Prayers for my daughter's family. He was shot and stabbed Sunday. And I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Trailer. I really am. We'll definitely, definitely be praying. That's a truly tragic situation. It really is. So let's go ahead and go for the Lord in prayer. Therefore, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this day, your grace, your mercy, your love, your joy, your peace overflowing. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And uh, Lord, just pray that you be with each and every one of these prayer requests and concerns. Lord, I pray that you be with Miss Fran Payer's family and that you watch over and protect them. And Lord, be with his family that's uh, dealing with the loss uh, of a loved one uh, from this COVID. And uh, Lord, I pray that you be with Mr. Trailer's prayer concern about his doctor the tragedy that uh, ensued and that you'll be with uh, his family during this very difficult time. Uh, Lord, I do pray that um, you'll be with uh, all the prayer requests and concerns that were mentioned here uh, this evening. Uh, Lord, I do lift up one special prayer request for Miss Kim Penix and Wendy Lee, and I pray that you'll be with Roger Winters. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with Larry and Donna Knight, and I uh, pray that uh, you'll be with... Uh, Mr. Ron Thompson, and uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with... Uh, all the prayer requests, concerns, mentioned and unmentioned, unspoken. Uh, Lord, let your will be done in each and every situation. Uh, Lord, pray to be Ginger Hood and Troy and Linda David Feathers and uh, Lord, so many others. And uh, Lord, let us uh, seek you out in all things and all situations for our lives and let us serve you well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I uh, <clears throat> appreciate everybody watching this evening. And hard to believe tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Uh, it just, uh, tell you what, this year has flown by. <laughs> it really has. And uh, so uh, tomorrow evening, uh, Lord willing, at 11.55 p.m., uh, we will be, uh, uh, I will, uh, Brandy and I, we're going to um, uh, live right here on uh, social media uh, and on the website here, uh, we're going to have uh, communion. And we encourage you all to uh, participate. Uh, the Lord, uh-oh, my foot hit the table here. The uh, Lord's really um, uh, laid it on my heart to do uh, uh, communion uh, going into the new year, prayer and communion going into the new year. And uh, so if you want to join in, uh, of course, you know, we use the uh, the grape juice. And if you have a cracker, a piece of bread or something like that, uh, and we'll read in First uh, Corinthians. And we're going to have virtual communion at 11.55 p.m. So if you're able to stay awake, uh, we're going to do that. If you'd like to participate virtually, uh, we'd love to have you uh, be a part of this. And I think it's with this, everything that's happened with this crazy year, uh, the... Uh, uh, I think this uh, would be a good way to start off the new year uh, for sure. So uh, so be sure and uh, uh, tune in tomorrow evening at 11.55 for virtual communion. And uh, I think it'll be, uh, I think it's going to be a real blessing. I really do. So looking forward to that. Uh, <clears throat> as far as, that's about the only announcement really that I have, uh, of course, Sunday morning service, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then again, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. So uh, good, good evening, Talena. And... Um, uh, so uh, be sure, and we'll have physical church, of course, at 118 Julie Lane uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, we'll have the one service, and of course, it's always virtual on Sunday night and Wednesday night. So be sure and uh, tune in for that. Uh, trying to think. As far as I know, that's about everything, anything I've got right now uh, to uh, to announce. But uh, I uh, uh, 
but if you all have anything that needs to be addressed, be sure and let me know. So, All right, uh, let's go ahead and look at our scripture this evening. We're going to look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and tonight we'll be looking at verses 17 through 21. So be sure, if you can, to look, turn to those passages here. And um, hold on here, let me get this uh, so you can read along here. There we go. Hold on here. All right, 1 Peter 1, 17 through 21. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed for the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. All right, and uh, praise God for his good word this evening. And uh, we're going to dive into this. Sorry, I'm trying to get the next slide up. It'll be something else we're going to be looking at here just just a second. Uh, but anyway... Um, um, one thing we can look at here, I mean, there are several things we're going to be addressing and looking at here this evening, uh, is motivation, all right? And uh, when I think about motivation, uh, I, uh, I think about a, a meme uh, that was on Facebook I saw the other day that said, um, Mount Everest is full of corpses who were once highly motivated people stay lazy. <laughs> so, you know, I don't encourage you to stay lazy by no stretch of the imagination. That is not good uh, to be lazy, but that was a funny meme nonetheless. But uh, when you look at uh, being motivated, uh, you know, there's several things that can uh, uh, get you uh, going in the right direction. All right, a uh, few examples uh, when regards to uh, motivation. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. I'll try to think here. Um, one of the things we do for our kids, for example, you know, uh, my daughter, she's an excellent musician. She can play piano, trumpet, clarinet. I mean, she is uh, uh, unbelievable, and I, I am very, very proud of her. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, nothing be make us more happy than to go see her, uh, one of her concerts and, uh, and watch her play. Now she did play ball for a little while and, uh, she was, she was good at it. And I was proud of her for that, but, uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't really excited to, uh, uh, in the, in the heat of summer, uh, to sit out there and, uh, watch a, um, a ball game. But I did it for my daughter. Why? Because I loved her. I wanted to support her. I wanted to show her that I was there. Same with my son when he played football. It wasn't exactly uh, uh, the the top of my list of things to do, but uh, I did it for him because I loved him. I'm, I was motivated to be there because of my love for them. And uh, now there's some parents out there who eat and breathe uh, ball. Uh, you know, I've got friends I went to high school with. I mean, they, they live for it. Uh, in fact, they are, are downtrodden uh, with uh, they don't have a ball game to go to. Uh, good for them. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of those people. But, uh, uh, but, you know, or like when I was in school, 
you know, I was motivated uh, to study, uh, to work hard in school, uh, because I knew that there was going to be a final, uh, there was going to be a test, uh, there was going to be a reckoning, if you will, <laughs> at the end of that semester, or, uh, you know, finals, or midterms, or whatever it may be, uh, you're going to have to know uh, the, uh, uh, the material. And uh, now, when I was, before I went to uh, seminary, you know, I, I was goofing and doofing at ETSU, could care less, and barely went to class, and then uh, uh, when time came for, for testing, uh, I was not, uh, I, was, I was spazzing and, and trying to uh, get notes and find out what I needed to do, and was scared to death because I knew more likely I wasn't going to pass that exam. And there's a lot of people like it out there, and because, why? Because they wasn't motivated, they wasn't looking towards uh, the future, they wasn't looking towards uh, the consequences of their laziness. And before I went to uh, seminary, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was lazy and didn't have to go to class. Now, you may be asking, what in the world does all this have to do uh, with, your, with, with what we're looking at? Now, well, you know, here's something we need to be, you know, a lot of people are not motivated when it comes to the things of Jesus Christ. They're not motivated when it comes to reading their Bibles. They're not motivated when it comes to attending church. Uh, you know, they get excited about ball games or they get excited, um, uh, you know, whatever it may be, or sports or uh, uh, maybe their favorite TV show. I don't know, whatever gets them, uh, gets people excited. But, um, uh, but when it comes to the things of Jesus, they just... Uh, they take it for well, I don't know whether they take it for granted. Uh, they're so entrenched in the things of the world that uh, they just uh, uh, they're enthusiastic. You know, they're not enthusiastic to tell others about Jesus Christ. They're enthusiastic to tell others about God the Father, and uh, that's a real problem. It really is. Is that lack of enthusiasm? You know, I told you all here a while back that um, one of the things that I feel uh, God has called me to do as a pastor. I think that. Uh, those who are in the ministry have uh, different gifts and talents and uh, that Lord has uh, blessed them with. There are some people out there who are, uh, are great orators, uh, you know, who, who speak with great clarity and uh, uh, they don't have the, uh, uh, the, the country accent like I do. Uh, like I said, my uh, professors used to get on me all the time because uh, not only do I have a, the thick country accent, but I talk fast. <laughs> And so they'd all the time trying to get me to, to calm down and slow down. And uh, uh, it's hard for me to do. And uh, there's some out there, I, you know, I don't know, it was counseling or whatever it may be. You know, they, they just are teaching. You know, they, every, I think pastors have certain gifts uh, in, their, in their ministry. And I feel like the one area the Lord has blessed me with and that he uh, has, has placed in my heart is to be an encourager. And that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you uh, with your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Uh, you know, I, uh, I want to, uh, to get you excited about the things of Jesus. I want you to be enthusiastic when it comes to talking to your neighbor about Christ or, uh, uh, or your work or whatever you're doing, or, or, you know, that you are excited and that you're enthusiastic about Jesus because of what he has done. And that's one thing we're going to talk about here this evening, uh, is the fact that, um, you know, his blood that was shed for us, we shouldn't take that for granted. And we have some illustrations, things we're going to walk through and look at uh, this evening. But um, we don't need to take that for granted. 
granted uh, what Christ has done for us. And because of that great sacrifice, because of that, uh, we should show, uh, we should be overly enthusiastic. We should be excited. We should want to tell others about Jesus Christ. You know, I don't understand. You know, I think that, um, you know, there's some things I may hit on uh, Sunday, but it's just that um, uh, I think that, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Is that, you know, uh, we've gotten so comfortable, I guess I should say, uh, in where we're at in the world that, uh, you know, w- our standard of living in this country is, is far greater uh, than any other place in the world. And uh, I think that um, it has made us soft and it made us lax and that it has, uh, 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 has made us lazy uh, spiritually. You know, wherever Christians are persecuted, uh, seems like uh, uh, Christianity has grown the most. And wherever uh, in areas where you know Christians are comfortable, uh, there's there's less attendance to church and uh, less enthusiasm for Jesus. That's not a good thing. You know, we should be overly excited uh, about the things of the Lord. And that's one one thing I hope that um, uh, that you take consideration and think about uh, each and every day. Now, uh, one of the things we need to look at here is that uh, that not only is uh, we're looking at God, at the holiness. You know, we need to be holy in all areas. Now, we looked at in verses um, uh, thirteen uh, through sixteen. Uh, let's see, Wednesday, Sunday, uh, today's Wednesday, Sunday, and let's go ahead and go and look back over a little bit because that's one thing that, that Peter is t- talking to us here about is that that of uh, being of being holy. Uh, therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set you uh, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He called you, is holy, and you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, "You shall be holy, for I am holy." Okay, so that's one thing that God is calling us to do is to be holy in all areas and aspects of our lives. You know, can you say that in, in, in all honesty? Uh, are you showing that reverence? Are you showing that uh, uh, godliness uh, in thought, word, deed, and action? Is that something that you're doing? Now, you know, uh, as a pastor, I don't know that I can say that. You know, I... Uh, uh, you know, I try to uh, strive hard uh, to do what is right in God's eyes, uh, obviously, or hopefully, that's what I strive to do. And, uh, you know, but I can't say that every action, every thought, every word that comes out of my mouth is something holy. Well, you know, uh, I'm an imperfect person. That's You know, I still need to work on that. I still need to try uh, to do better uh, to uh, to have that mind of Christ. I, I tend to get grouchy. You can ask my family. I can get hateful. I can get grouchy, particularly when I don't feel good. <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's what uh, uh, somebody had on uh, Facebook said that uh, uh, if you're walking around uh, with a fever uh, that, uh, you know, you need to get checked. It could be COVID. And some smart like woman put on there said, well, that can't be true for a man because nowhere, nowhere in history has a man ever been walking who has a fever. So. <laughs> So nasty, mean, mean females. But uh, there's truth in that and the fact that when I get sick, I become a big baby. And so I get uh, a little grouchy <laughs> sometimes. But, um, you know, as, as parents, uh, you know, we try to do those things that, uh, uh, that are encouraging to our children. All right. You know, I, uh, uh, 
when my daughter's in school, well, she's still in school, but when she was going up through the uh, the grades uh, every time, every, at the end of every year, uh, uh, when she walked across the stage to graduate to the next uh, level, I'd always holler out, go Madison, you know, I, I'd scream that out. And uh, I learned that from my own father, because <laughs> here we are at Grace College, uh, you know, doctoral studies auditorium full of people and i hear go matt <laughs> so that's um, something i won't ever forget but i know in madison in particular uh when she was uh, going up through the grades i uh, uh i mean one guy he, they were a very uppity family and uh, uh they uh, uh uh well they were a little pretentious but uh, i remember he turned around one year because i did that every year and he turned around and said uh are you going to holler out again this year? I said, you better believe it. And I hollered out even louder that time, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, we we as fathers uh, want to encourage uh, our children. We want to show that love to our children. And, you know, for those of us who are earthly, show that kind of care and love, how much more can the Heavenly Father show that kindness and care and love for us? Uh, you know, that's one thing, you know. I, but, you know, here's the thing, though. You know, we would risk our very lives for our kids. At least any any parent that's worth a grain of salt would. I mean, I would gladly give my life for my children. In fact, I pray every day, Lord, if death must come, please take me. Get, give my wife and children long lives, long, healthy lives. Uh, take me. You know, I, you know if, if, I, I will take it. Uh, just whatever. Sickness, whatever. Give it to me. Spare them. And uh, because, uh, uh, you know, it's just what daddies do. You know, we, uh, uh, we put our lives on the line for our children. But look how much more loving uh, and caring our Heavenly Father is. My kids know when they were little, they could curl up in daddy's lap and I would hold them and I would tell them I love them and I cared for them. Guess what? Jesus Christ is there. You know, that's one thing, you know, when I wrote the book Life Dead, and it was fictional, and uh, and, and it was it was a little lengthy. I probably could have shortened it a little more, but uh, you know the main reason why I wrote that book is because there's a lot of people out there who um, uh, didn't have the kind of love uh, with their earthly fathers uh, that I'd have, and uh, and and I think it's hard for some people uh, to understand uh, the love of a heavenly father because of the lack of love of an earthly father but you know there's some people you know and there's there's always that comparison and you've heard me say this before and others before me have said it that a lot of times people compare their walk with the heavenly father uh with that of their earthly father and um which is true in part i know it's not that i don't disagree with that but it's the fact that remember our earthly fathers are imperfect uh, they are prone to mistakes and they will let you down but the heavenly father will never let you down. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will never hurt you. He is perfect. And so, we, you know, that's why we need to seek that love out in Christ. You know, so many times I see people uh, hurting and uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and I feel like they keep God at arm's length. You know, instead of embracing him, instead of running to him uh, and curling up in God's lap, uh, if you will, uh, they, they keep him at arm's length. You know, we need to go to God. Of course, Satan's going to tell you uh, that you're not worthy. You're not good enough. Uh, you know, you uh, are, um, uh, you know, you're not good enough to go to church, if you will. And uh, that, that's what the old devil wants you to think. That's what he wishes. But you need 
Jesus. You need to be in church. When we mess up, and we're all going to mess up, we don't need to uh, uh, let the old devil feed our brains uh, full of, uh, of stuff to think that we are unworthy to go before God. Yes, in sense, in part, we are unworthy, but Jesus Christ makes us worthy to stand before the Father. See, that's, that's what makes us worthy, accepting and knowing Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. He cares for us. He loves us, just like I care for my, my children. My Heavenly Father cares for me and you exponentially far more than I could ever care uh, for my, my children here on this earth. And that's what, one thing that people need to be aware of. Now, here's the thing. Yes, God is kind. God is loving. Uh, God is good to us. God bestows blessing upon us. But God is also our judge. See, that's one thing we need to keep in mind. That's what Peter is addressing here, that he is one who judges impartially. All right. You know, it is uh, it is easy, I think, for some Christians to or pastors to only talk about the good things of the father. And uh, those good things are real and they're true. But we need to remember that we, you know, in this in this as we were reading here, particularly in verse um, 15 and 16 uh, of first Peter chapter one, that uh, Peter is calling us out here to to be holy. And we in when our in our efforts to be holy, we have to understand that we have to live our lives in a way uh, knowing that we will stand before God in judgment. You know, when we, you know, at the very beginning of this, one thing we're talking about is judgment. I mean, not as uh, motivation. You know, we are motivated to do well in school. Uh, you know, when I was at Grace Seminary, I wanted to to do well uh, because I, I I wanted to take what I learned, of course, and apply it to in to real life in my ministry. Uh, I wanted to do well not only for myself but to please my earthly father, to please the heavenly father, and uh, uh, you know that was a motivation because uh, I wanted to make good grades. But uh, that's what should motivate us uh, as Christians living a life that is holy because we know that one day we will be standing in judgment before God. See, that should be a great motivator for you because one day we will be standing. And remember, he judges impartially. So it don't matter. You know, one thing that we hear about in in, uh, in uh, television and uh, uh, Hollywood as such is to be inclusive, you know, and in their efforts to, um, to not be racist, they're actually being racist because... You know, that's one thing that Martin Luther King Jr. said is that a man's character should be based on his merit, not by the color of his skin. And unfortunately, we're, that's what we're seeing is quite the opposite uh, is people being judged by the color of their skin. I don't care if you're white, black or whatever. If they're uh, being hired only because they're black, well, that's racist. If you're not being hired because you're white, that's racist. I mean, there's no way to no other way to put it. But when you're standing for God, it don't matter if you're black, white, female, male. It'll, you know, if you think you identify with 37 flavors of gender, you know, it doesn't matter because we're going to stand before God in judgment. It's either you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, or you don't. That's what it boils down to. And and if you've lived, and for those who are saved, did you live a life? glorifying to God? Did you, did you live a life in pursuit of holiness, pursuit of growth? You know, in, in what we were talking about earlier is the fact that um, the lack of enthusiasm, 
uh, when it comes to the things of Christianity, it comes to things of God, it comes to church or, or ministering or witnessing. And I think that uh, boils down to a lack of growth. See, when you're excited about something and you're, in, and you're trying to grow closer to the Lord, I think that builds your enthusiasm to where you want to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. You want to go out and spread uh, the love and the gospel uh, of what uh, God has given you. You can't hold it in. You, you want to shout it from the mountaintops. You want to shout it from the rooftops. You want to tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you what God has done for me. And so you're excited. And I think that's that's a problem with the majority of Christians today is that um, uh, there is a lack of growth spiritually. You know, it's like, you know, and, I, and I've said this before, uh, it's like so many people got excited, they, they have given their life to Jesus Christ, it's like climbing a mountain, they're excited, they're on fire, and they get to a, like a halfway point and decide they don't need to go any further. And that's not a good thing, people. You need to be constantly growing and learning uh, in the things of Jesus Christ. You know, are you spending the time in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you doing extracurricular uh, reading? Uh, are you, uh, you know, trying to be active in the church? Now, I understand, you know, right now uh, it's hard to be active in the church. This whole COVID thing, a lot of churches are not, you know, they've got their doors closed. Uh, it's hard to be um, uh, active in the church like you, like we once were. Uh, you know, we're, well, I praise God, you know, we're, we're going to try to keep our doors open for as long as we can. But, uh, but. Pray, ask the Lord, you know, what are other ways that I can minister? You know, right here, social media. I wrote a book, Virtual Missionaries, all right, because I, I saw immediately uh, when Facebook in its inception, in its very beginning, I saw immediately the potential to minister and to reach people. Now, then, I'll be honest with you, I think it was easier uh, to do that because there wasn't all these filters. There wasn't all these um, uh, things that uh, Facebook has has done now. Used to you just you could reach pretty much email. I talked to people all over the world and other states and all over the place, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That in MySpace. I mean, you all remember MySpace? You could virtually talk to really about anybody. Uh, of course, now my MySpace is is gone uh, with the wind. And um, Facebook has me filters, you know, you're pretty much encapsulated and surrounded by people you pretty much know, unless you venture out to, uh, like, say, um, uh, Fox News or uh, local news or something, you know, where, where it's kind of more public and you can interact with people. And then you've got an opportunity there. But not to have the tangents of trolls on there just wanting to, to take you off more than likely. But uh, still. Pray, Lord, how can I uh, uh, be a bigger witness, be a bigger minister, be more of a witness for the Lord? I get out here in a second. Uh, see, so I talked about. See, that's what they got on me about in school. I talk too fast, <laughs> and my thick Southern accent is. Uh, yep, <laughs> David Feather says my cat's watching you through the window. She sure is. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I uh, uh, yes, uh, that uh, stupid cat. Anyway, don't get me started on the cat. I don't want to say anything because I'm sure I got a lot of cat lovers out there, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm not a fan. Okay, <laughs> but Jay Melinda Arnold uh, cat photo bombing. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, um, anyway, we're talking about God was going to be our. 
is will be our judge, all right? And that should be uh, help motivate us uh, even more. And um, uh, so we see here that uh, in verse um, 17, and if you call on him uh, as father who judges impartially, as we were just talking about, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves, all right, uh, in that holy way we're talking about, uh, conduct yourselves, now, your Bible may say, your Bible may say each one's work, uh, where I'm saying deeds, uh, conduct uh, in, that, in that holy way yourselves with fear, excuse me, throughout the time of your exile, okay? Now, with fear, we look at that, that word with fear, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to think of, uh, of fear uh, as uh uh, as a paralyzing dread or terror. A lot of people don't want to think about that. They don't want to, uh, you know, it is, um, uh, you know, we talk about the fear of the Lord. Uh, you know, obviously it's talking about a deep, healthy respect. But at the same time, I think that we need to, um, it's not so much a paralyzing dread of terror, uh, if you will, but we need to take seriously the fact that we are going to stand uh, in front of God in judgment. And so that should invoke a certain amount of fear in the fact it should motivate you to want to do better. Hopefully that makes a little more sense. Uh, is that, um, you know, we shouldn't be walking around constantly wringing our hands, scared to death with anxiety, saying, Oh, Lord, I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, I want to be, have to stay before God one day. What am I going to do? You know, obviously that's not what God wants for us. As so for those who are saved, we have, you know, we, it's not that we, uh, uh, need to have anxiety about it because what does Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tell us? Not to be anxious for nothing. Uh, you know, for those who don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, yes, you better be scared to death uh, without hands down. But we need to have a certain amount of, of fear, just for, well, just for, just like I was talking about uh, when I was in, in school and in college, a seminary, uh, is the fact, you know, we may have a 500-page textbook to read, you know. We may have a stack of 500, you know, of, of 500 pages of, I remember when I was at Grace, we'd have a stack of books, I mean, literally a stack of books to read, and, um, and we'd have to do reports on that. And, uh, you know, so what all that I could do is break that down. I'd say, okay, I've got this many number of pages. I've got this many weeks. And I just tried to divide it up so I knew exactly how many pages to read each day. To That way, you know, I'm not overwhelmed, you know. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, you would literally have a stack of books. And uh, that's the only way you could do it because it wasn't that I was terrified. I mean, there was concern. But uh, now, if I didn't read those books... And I just said, oh, well, whatever. And then come the uh, the day before I had to leave to go to Indiana, present those papers, and I didn't have nothing done. Yeah, I should be scared to death. But you know the work was due. You know what was uh, was uh, necessary, what had to be done. And so you did that work uh, in anticipation of knowing that it will be critiqued and it will be graded. And so I think that's one way we can look at it is the fact that it's not so much uh, – uh, fear in the sense of you know of of high anxiety but the fact that hey we know this is going this is coming and so how are we going to conduct as we're reading here how are we going to conduct ourselves in response to that you know we can you know we can be these people that um uh, that do nothing and you know in school uh they uh uh They'll goof and doof and the time of the final comes they, they're, they're freaked out and don't know what they're going to do but the thing of it is, we know what's coming, and we know that judgment's coming. 
And so how are you conducting yourselves? Are you, are you conducting yourselves in a way that is glorifying unto the Lord? You know, uh, you know, because, you know, like I said, we're going to be judged for those things we've done since we were saved. What does your walk say about you? Here's something I want to read. Um, his name is uh, Alexander McLaren. Uh, so let me get my cursor over here. Hold on here. Here we go. And over confuses with Brian McLaren, who was a lunatic. But this is Andrew, Alexander McLaren. It's about uh, he wrote this about a hundred years ago. Uh, says, um, and this is from um, uh, an exposition of Holy Scripture, Faith and Judge, uh, page sixty-nine. Uh, I suppose in Peter's day, as in our day, there, in our days, there were people who can't read tonight there were people that so fell in love with one aspect of the divine nature they had no eyes for any other and who so magnified the thought of the father that they forgot that the thought of the judge that error has been committed over and over again in all ages so that the church as a whole one may say has gone swaying from one extreme to the other and has rent those two conceptions widely apart, and sometimes has been foolish enough to pit them against each other instead of doing as Peter does here, braiding them together as both conspiring to one result, the production in the Christian of Christian heart of a wholesome awe. And again, he wrote this about a hundred years ago. And, um, you know, it is uh, one thing he talks about is that um, uh, how the pendulum may swing one way or the other. Uh, that um, uh, that it, it swung toward God as all loving and all judgmental, uh, and uh, or uh, that um, uh, or they're preaching hellfire and damnation or something like you know. It's, it's sometimes there's those extremes, uh, if you will. But uh, um, but remember, uh, you know, we can't just say that God is all loving and judgmental. See, I think that's one people one thing that people do uh, who live uh, alternative lifestyle choices you know i'm trying to be nice about it i don't want you know there may be somebody out there who's struggling uh who's watching who may be struggling with their identity uh and uh their sexual preference and uh, they may be under the delusion that they can live this life and be a christian and that is not true uh and uh, they may get mad and not like to hear me say that um, and I've told you before that if uh, if someone is trying to fight against those inclinations uh, they're striving hard to live a Christian life and uh, you know uh, they may mess up every now and then and they're they're no different than any other Christian if they are blatantly unapologetically uh, living a debaucherous uh, hedonistic lifestyle choice no you can't be a Christian and, and live a life like that and uh, so I think some people out there, they want to say that God is all loving and non-judgmental. What, what do those people, what do people say, uh, whether it's alternative lifestyle choices, uh, you know, whether it's adultery or pornography, whatever it may be, what do people do when you call these things out? They call us judgmental and, uh, and that uh, God loves us anyway. Well, you know, God uh, loves us enough to send his only son to die for us. But he doesn't condone uh, those things that are sinful. Uh, we are to abhor and hate sin. Uh, and uh, this idea that God is all loving and non judgmental, I think, is just uh, 
uh, alive from the pits of hell. I really do, because we will. He is the impartial judge, and uh, and that conduct proves the reality of our faith. And we must live in holy reverence uh, to uh, uh, to God the Father, who will judge us. And I guess it's what it boils down to. Are you living in that holy reverence? Are you living that life that is holy, honorable, and glorifying unto God? I think that's what it boils down to. You need to ask yourself, am I doing these things? You know, nobody's saying you don't have to be a monk, okay? You don't have to shave the top of your head, put on a robe, live in a in a circular brick room, and, and that's what makes you holy. That's, that's you know, uh, the Pharisees try to put on an outward appearance of holiness. Uh, they had a, a mind, uh, they, they, uh, the, uh, the, the knowledge, if you will, um, uh, when it comes to the things of God, but uh, they didn't have the heart knowledge. And I think there's a lot of people out there who put on the airs and put on a good uh, front in regards to their Christian walk and faith, but uh, they they but they don't truly know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you know, again, you know, we're we're not called to be monks. That's not what makes us holy. It's how we conduct our lives, whether we are alone. You know, I've told you this a long time, a while back, uh, years ago, uh, I saw a church sign that said, uh, how you act when you're alone is how is who you truly are. And there's a lot of uh, truth to that. You know, how you are when you're by yourself, when nobody else is watching, how you conduct yourself says a lot. And, uh, you know, we need to be mindful of that, that God is still watching. God is still there. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing. He can be everywhere and anywhere at the same time. And uh, when you, just because you think you're alone and nobody's watching, guess what? God is still there. And so how do you conduct yourself? And uh, it's easy to put on a, 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 a certain attitude when you think somebody's watching, you know. And uh, be but be a completely different person, and I uh, that's one thing we have to be really uh, careful about. You know, I, that's why I always tell people, listen, I know I'm not perfect. You know, you can talk to my family. Uh, I uh, I lose my temper. You know, I, uh, I the reason why I say these things is uh, maybe some people might say, well, you shouldn't say things like that as a pastor. But the reason why I do that is because. You know, I don't want to be one of these people that act one way at home and act another at the pulpit. I don't want my family to say, well, yeah, yeah, he tries to act super righteous at the pulpit, but he's a jerk at home. I'll let you know I am a jerk at home, okay? You know, it's uh, I'm trying to work on that, too, you know, and when I lose my temper or say something I shouldn't, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm sorry, I apologize, you know, I shouldn't shouldn't have responded and reacted that way. You know, I, I try to be upfront. Why? Because... I want my family to understand and know that my walk with the Lord is real, all right? It means something to me, and that even though it is real and it means something to me, I'm still an imperfect person who is trying. That way my kids will understand and know that, you know what, uh, my daddy was uh, not a perfect person, in the, and uh, he made his mistakes, and uh, but he loved the Lord. And I, and, uh, and I don't want them to have the pressure to think they have to be perfect. That's why I told him a long time ago. You don't have to be perfect. Don't you worry about what mommy and daddy think. You do what, what the Lord, what, what pleases God. And by doing so, you will please your mother and father. That's what you have to think about. 
It's not about, you know, because I know what it's like as a preacher's kid, all right? I know what it's like. I know what it's like when I got out of high school or even in high school. Oh, you're just a goody-goody or uh, you, you're just a, a mama's boy or a daddy's boy or, uh, you know, you need to lighten up and they want to entice you to, you know, those who are in the gutter want to want you down in the gutter with them. And uh, and so there was a lot of pressure there uh, uh, to do things that I knew I shouldn't do. And uh, and what I, I had the misunderstanding that uh, I, just, I was only supposed to do those things that I thought would please my parents, but I, I didn't. I didn't have uh, the clarity of mind to understand that it's not about pleasing mother and father; it's about pleasing God, pleasing Jesus. And what this world has to offer is garbage, total and utter garbage. Is what this world has to offer. God offers us eternal life. God offers us freedom. And those who are in chains and bondage, they want to pull you right down with them. And you have to remember, my Christian brothers and sisters, where you're at spiritually. And don't be enticed by those, excuse me, by those things in the world. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's, all right, let's go to our next point here. Now, uh, also looking at his here, let's see, we read uh, uh, 17, uh, 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways uh, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and or gold. Now, remember that God redeemed us. All right? When you look at the word redeemed, that is bought back. And, and those who, um, uh, in the time and place and culture and history that this was written, they, they had a, probably a better understanding uh, of being ransomed, uh, to be redeemed, uh, far more than we probably would do because many of them were slaves and many of them were Christians and who were slaves uh, in Rome in particular. And they did not have the freedom just to go go out and about uh, as we do here. And so they, uh, 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 let's see, did I read? Okay, yeah, it's 18. Um, you know, they could be bought, uh, you know, that's why I was making sure I was reading the right verse, talking about silver or gold. And um, when you look at that silver or gold, uh, it is, um, um, you know, that is perishable. Those things go, it can be destroyed, even though that's, uh, that is precious on earth and a slave could be bought for that. that is, that's one thing Peter's trying to say here, that, hey, this is perishable. These things are, are worthless or nothing. But it's God who gives us eternal life. It's God who frees us from sin and death. It is God that gives us that freedom. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of people out there that um, they don't uh, uh, really fully understand uh, how, uh, how shall I put it, um, how we are under bondage, under true sin's bondage. Uh, like I said, you know, we, we live in a, in a society that is... Um, uh, you know, particularly in this in this country, we live in a in a very uh, you know compared to the rest of the world, uh, we live a we have a very lavish life, and uh, you know you, we, we people when they come to church they hear about how God can uh, help you with your marriage or help you with your children, and you think it's a nice little uh, side item to help you with your life, but you don't fully understand how that you are truly under sin's bondage. How that you are, uh, uh, what Christ is truly offering you, uh, that you are truly in need of a Savior. I think there's a lot of people out there who don't truly understand the full capacity 
uh, of what God is giving us. You know, we have Adam and Eve since the fall of man. You know, here they, they, when sin entered the world because of Adam and Eve, we were under that bondage. We're under that sin. It is like a disease, a blood disease that is passed down from generation to generation that we all have all inherited. And we are all in need of Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We are under that bondage of sin. You know, that's why we, that's what, you know, you've heard my dad say many times that Jesus Christ paid a, Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we couldn't pay. You know, we, we had no way of paying that, but Jesus Christ paid that sin's debt for us and rose again on the third day, the shedding of his blood. See, that's what, you know, we, we, we were all headed for hell. Every single one of us uh, were headed for hell. But Jesus Christ, you know, God, out of his love and his mercy, sent his only son to save us. It took that shedding of his blood because he was the only one perfect enough to do so. Just like, you know, I was talking about how I would give my life for my children. That is true. But my, the shedding of my blood is not going to cover their sin uh, to allow them entrance into heaven. Neither will yours. Uh, but it is only through Christ's perfect blood. That perfect sacrifice, the substitutionary atonement on the cross is the only thing that will allow us to gain entrance into heaven. It took that shedding of blood uh, for that to happen. Uh, let's see here. Keep me on this next slide. If that goes to what I'm talking about or not here. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and read this next slide here, if we may. And uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, let me get over here. There we go. All right. Um Joseph Parker, 19th century London pastor, wrote in Preaching Through, Bi Through the Bible, The Precious Blood of Christ, uh, where there's no conviction of sin, conviction amounting to the very anguish of the lost in hell, there could be no felt need of so extreme a remedy as is offered by the outpouring of the blood of Christ. He goes on to point out that when a man feels that he has not sinned deeply, he is in no mood to receive what he considers the tragic appeals of the gospel. But when he feels that he has sinned and is deserving of hell, lost, damned, that his need can be met by nothing other than the sacrificial, personal, precious blood of Christ. It took nothing less than the precious blood to redeem us from bondage. And I think that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, that's why I, I pull up some of these uh slides uh from theologians who are far smarter than me and and uh you know what he says there i think makes uh really really drives home the point i'm trying to make here and um so we look here again um let's see we get back over here uh so we're in verse 18 uh 19 but the precious blood of christ like that of the lamb without blemish or spot okay uh let's see here um, I'm trying to think here. My next point I was wanting to make here. Um, hold on here. Okay, yeah. Okay, just talking about the shedding of blood. I'm sorry, I got my different points they're trying to make here, so I apologize. Got different points they're trying to hit on here and make sure I get it all in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's through Christ's shedding of his precious blood. Uh, that uh, that redeems us, that saves us 
from that very bondage uh, that uh, that we are under. And, you know, it's one thing that, you know, we have to, you know, the point, another point that Peter's trying to drive home here is the fact that uh, uh, we cannot do nothing on our own. And this is a free gift of God. Why? Because we are boasters. We are proud. Uh, we want to say, hey, look what I did. You know, we, we want to say what well, God took us so far, but then look with the, what I've done. You know, uh, you know, we have people like that now, <laughs> you know, who um, want to act like they're super spiritual. <laughs> look at me. Uh, I don't uh, watch your television. I don't get on your social media. I keep my hair cut short. I wear my I have my family Bible and and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm not like this. The sinner over here uh, with long hair and rides a motorcycle. You know, kind of, you know, throw that out there. But um, there's people like it. You know, they think that their 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 goodness uh, or what they perceive to be good is what's going to gain them interest into heaven. And nothing be further from the truth. You know, that's one thing I like about our church uh, motto uh, is to see the lost saved, the saved to grow, and to be real. You know, we don't want to put on airs. Uh, you know, I think that's one thing that's really hurt a lot of Christianity uh, is pastors or Christians alike who have that kind of attitude. They want to sit and walk around and say, hey, look at me. Uh, look what I'm doing. And uh, I don't think they fully understand that free gift of God. Uh, there is nothing we can do on our own. Nothing. You know, we have these people out there who have um, put on this uh, legalistic uh, ideals, you know, the, the things that man has uh, added on um, in regards to uh, to have our salvation uh, and to keep our salvation. They think that, um, you know, you have to do A, B, and C, uh, and it's a free gift. You know, I, I used to have to go to a Christian school, and it was their rules, but uh, I didn't like them. But, they, uh, you know, you had to wear your, the men had to wear their hair, or the boys had to wear their hair cut short over their ears and off their collar. You had to wear a shirt with a collar. You had to wear uh, slacks or dress pants. The girls had to wear dresses, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, their rules, and uh, if I, you know, I did not like it there. I was in a lot of fights, <laughs> but uh, but the, the school aside, it's that kind of mentality that's hurt a lot of Christianity. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of churches. A lot of people out there who think that you have to dress a certain way, you have to look a certain way, you have to be baptized, you have to, you know. Again, you know, there's a list of things that people think you have to do, and then they be further from the truth, man. It, it is a free gift of God lest any man should boast. And nothing can be clearer uh, than that alone. It is a free gift of God. And if somebody says you have to do this or you have to do that, run from them. They're full of crap, all right? You don't have to be baptized. We are encouraged to be baptized by Christ's own example and, uh, and of course, uh, uh, his command to go forth to all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, we are encouraged to do it, but it is not mandatory because if it was, it would be uh, a works-based faith. That's one thing I, uh, Dr. Soto, who uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, professors at Grace College, uh, I loved what he really helped drive on the point because I was struggling, uh, had to really, for those who were dogmatic, particularly those in the Christian church, are dogmatic about having to be baptized in order to be saved. And uh, I loved how he, he I'll never forget, he, he said, you know, because 
the Jews kept saying you had to uh, be circumcised in order to be saved. And, you know, of course, uh, the apostles and stuff, you know, that's not, you know, they were trying to say that's not true. You don't have to do that. And that's one thing he said is replace everywhere it says circumcision with baptism. I thought when he said that, it's like, boom, it's like a lot went off. And I was like, ah, now it, it you know, I get what, uh, uh, what it's all say, you know, how to better relate uh, that to other people and that makes so much sense but it's sad that so many people have to do that but um, you know and that's another thing too we read here that um, let's see here verse 19 but to be precious the blood of Christ like that of the lamb without blemish or spot he was foreknown before the foundation of the world was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you now there's a couple of things we can look at here in regards to that now um God knew, obviously, for the foundation of the world that he's going to send his only son. He was made, made manifest a particular time, place, in history uh, to die for our sins. That is true. We can also apply that to ourselves, that we were, new, we were known before the foundations of the world. And, um, uh, and, and, and use that uh, in regards to our salvation. Uh, you know, we were predestined. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about predestination. They don't like to talk about election. Uh, but again, you know, some people try to say, you know, uh, election isn't fair, that God uh, chose only some. Well, God didn't have to choose anybody. All right. Uh, it's a great thing to know that at least he decided to choose some. Who the elect are, we don't know. That's why we go out and minister and witness to all those that we can. Uh, but, uh, uh, but praise God for that adoption. And Jesus come to save the elect. He didn't come to save everybody because he knew not everybody would accept him, and it it would uh, it be for nothing. But he come to save the elect. All right, and we we got into that once before. I got into some good detail on that, uh, so you can maybe go back in the archives and and we can and and, and take a look at that. I know it's in Hebrews. We doing our study doing our study in Hebrews. We might have gone into it in Titus. too. maybe it was Titus. We got more depth in it. But I know I hit it on the Hebrews too. Um. Yeah. So anyway, may manifest. You know that God, uh, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, you know, and, and nothing else. You know, that's another thing we look at too. Is 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 God's word proving itself? You know, Jesus fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, and the chance of even one prophecy uh, being fulfilled is astronomical. And yet we have prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled in God's word. Now, in the last times. Now. People try to say we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years. And rightfully so, since the time of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, we have uh, more or less uh, began our journey uh, in uh, the last days. All right. Now, we can look at a few verses here. Let's look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. In regards to uh, last times, all right, let's look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Let me get over here. Hebrews 1. One through two. Okay. Um, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophecy. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. All right. Let's look at another. Um, also in Hebrews, we can look at uh, 926. Let's get over here. While we're, while we're here in Hebrews, we might as well. 9.26 For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundations of the world, 
But as it is, he appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, also, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Get over here. Um, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And finally, while we're here in First Peter, we might as well look at First uh, Peter four seven and seventeen. Four seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, be sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. And verse seventeen. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, we see that there for the last, for made it manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Again, going back and understanding that, uh, uh, that we will face that judgment before God, that, uh, and that we very much so are living in the last days. We're living in the end times. People may laugh, they may mock. You know, I like what somebody had on uh, Facebook. Uh, There's a little picture showing um, uh, um, Noah trying to talk to people, and they're laughing and mocking, and how uh, the, how it is uh, just like people today. They laugh and mock at us and, and make fun of us. Well, those in Noah's time uh, found. Uh, a harsh reality, <laughs> and uh, no, and, and when the floods came, and when God shut the door, it was too late. Well, my friends, one day Jesus Christ is going to rapture us out of here, and those who have laughed and mocked will now understand it was too, it's too late now uh, to change uh, their their thoughts and their ways. But um, uh, finally, uh, we see here that um, verse 21, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him the glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Praise God for his resurrection, that Jesus Christ did, in fact, raise from the dead and that uh, God gave him the glory. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We have been redeemed, we have been sanctified, and we have been glorified. Why? Because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We will stand in judgment, my friends. Live your life holy, honorable, in thought, word, and deed, in all things with Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this day, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, what you've done for us and uh, sacrificing yourself so that we can have life eternal. Let us not take that for granted. Let us live our lives in a holy manner. Let us be enthusiastic and motivated and excited in our walk with you. And Lord, for anyone watching this evening that doesn't know you, let him pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you, my friends, for watching. I hope everybody has a great and wonderful evening. Don't forget, tomorrow evening, New Year's, New Year's, 
New York. <laughs> I want to say New York. New Year's Eve at 11.55 p.m. We're going to be doing virtual communion and having prayer into the new year. So be sure and tune in and take part of that. You'll be glad you did and be blessed by it. Thanks for watching. God bless.